Pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we're there in uh, James chapter number four. James chapter number four. I feel like it's a little echo. If you could help me with that, appreciate it. Thank you. <clears throat> James chapter number four, and uh, it's good to be back with all of you. And uh, we're my family and I were up at Verity, Vancouver last week. Uh, preaching up there and checking things out. They're doing great up there, by the way. Uh, things are going great, but we took a break. We've been, we've been, uh, we started the year with this uh, study on stewardship. Uh, started a series called the uh, Stewarding Life. And if you remember, uh, the first week, we basically had a biblical overview of stewardship, looked at stewardship from the Bible. The second week, uh, we dealt with the parable of the unjust steward. And this morning, I uh, want to deal with the subject of the stewardship of time the stewardship of time. And if you're there in James chapter number 4, I'd like you to look at verse number 14. James chapter 4. Towards the end of this chapter uh, in James, we, we talk about time, we learn about time. We're going to be going through, this, through these verses. But I want you to notice verse 14. The Bible says this, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. And I want you to notice this question that is asked. And in fact, if you don't mind underlining in your Bible, I'd like you to underline this phrase. He says this, For what is your life? For what is your life? That's quite a question. And then notice he answers it. He says, for what is your life? He says, it is. And in answering the question, for what is your life? He says, it is even a vapor that appeareth for, notice these words, a little time. And in that phrase, we find the answer to the question, what is your life? Your life is a little time. In fact, your life is time. Our life consists of time. And here's what you need to understand. What we do with our time will determine what we do with our lives. Because what is our life if not time? What is our lives if not just a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away? And what we do with our time is what we do with our life. And here's a question that I want you to ponder about this morning is this. When we are done with our life, when we are done with our time, Will anyone know that we've been here? When we are done with our lives, will we have impact anyone? Will we have done anything worth remembering? I want to talk to you just for a few minutes this morning on the stewardship of time. And I want to give you four statements, four things I'd like you to write down. I'd like you to write these statements down if, you, if you're able to. On the back of your course of the week, you have a place for sermon notes. And I understand if you've got a baby on your lap and you can't do that. But I'd like you to write a couple of statements down. When it comes to this idea of the stewardship of time or how to steward time properly. And if you haven't been with us, uh, you need to understand the word stewardship basically means management. We are stewards, meaning we've been given resources resources by God that we are to manage for His glory. And one of those resources is time itself. We are to manage time. And we often talk about managing time, but the truth of the matter is, you can't manage time and I can't manage time. All we can do is manage ourselves within the time that God has given us. So I want to give you some ideas, some thoughts in regards to the stewarding of time properly. Point number one this morning, and, and look at verse 13, just, just for a little bit of context. James chapter 4 and verse 13. The Bible says this, go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, and continue there a year, and buy and sell, and gain. Notice verse 14, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. In order for us to steward time properly, we must, number one, I'd like you to write this statement down, we must have the right perspective of time. We must begin with the proper perspective of time. And when we talk about time, 
that's usually where we start. That's usually where I start with the perspective of time. And I want you to notice the emphasis in the verse. Look at verse 14 again. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. He says, for what is your light? He says this, it is even a vapor that appeareth for a, a little time. So it's not just that it's time, but it's a little time. Notice, and then vanisheth away. And here's what you need to understand about time. Time is very limited. Keep your place there in James chapter 4. That's our text for this morning. But I'd like you to go with me to the book of Psalms. If you open your Bible just right in the center, you'll more than likely fall in the book of Psalms, uh, right in the middle of the, of the Word of God there. Psalm 39, and look at verse number 4. Psalm 39 and verse 4. Time is limited. Psalm 39 and verse 4. Notice what the Bible says. Psalm 39 and verse 4. The Bible says this, Lord... Notice what the psalmist wrote. He says, Lord, make me to know. Notice what he says. Make me to know mine end and the measure of my days. The psalmist here is praying and he's saying, Lord, help me to understand. Help me to know. Help me to comprehend not only mine end and not only the the time when I will come to the end, but he says also the measure of my days, how many days I have on this earth. He says, what is it that I may know how, notice this word, frail I am. Isn't that the truth? Aren't we frail? I mean, can't life just end like that? I mean, can't our, our lives just be changed in a moment, just one event? And he says, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days. What it is that I may know how frail I am. Verse 5, behold, thou hast made my days. Notice, behold, thou hast made my days. Because he's talking about the measure of time. And he says, when it comes to eternity, when it comes to an eternal God, when it comes to a God who, who lives in eternity, he says, my days are as an handbreadth. So what does that mean? He's saying, if I was to measure my life in comparison to eternity, he said, my, my life would be like the length of my hand. He said, my days as, uh, as in handbreadth and mine age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Say lie. And you say, well, what is it that he's emphasizing for us? And what he's emphasizing when he says that my days are as in handbreadth, mine age is as nothing before thee. The emphasis is that time is limited. Go to Psalm 90. You're there in Psalm 39. Go to Psalm 90 and look at verse number 9. Psalm 90 and verse 9. And do me a favor, when you get to Psalm 90, put a ribbon or a bookmark or something there because we're going to leave Psalm 90 and we're going to come back to it. Psalm 90 and verse number 9. Psalm 90 and verse 9. Notice what the Bible says, for all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. Look at verse 10. The days of our years are, notice what he says, he says three score, what is that? A score is 20, three score is 60. He says, the days of our years are three score and 10. He's saying, look, the lifespan of a, of a human being could be 70 years. He says, and if by reason of strength they be four score years, he said, maybe you're strong or maybe you're healthy and you live to be 80 years. And we know that today because of the advances in, in medicine and things like that, people live even longer than that. He says, yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow. Notice what he says. Notice where the emphasis is because he's talking about living 70 years, 80 years, but yet the emphasis is this. He says, for it is, notice this word, soon cut off. He says, look, even if you live to be 80 years, 
Even if you live to be 100 years, even if you live to be 120 years, he says when it comes to the span of eternity, he says your life is a vapor that appeareth for a little time. He says it's the, it's the size of the, uh, of the breadth of your hand. He says it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger, even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. Look at verse 12. He says, so with that in mind, With the understanding that our lives are soon cut off, that our lives are limited, that our lives are short. He says, so teach us to number our days. He says, help us to be aware of the number of days that we have on this earth, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. You're there in Psalm 90. Just flip one psalm over to Psalm 89. Look at verse 47. Psalm 89 and verse 47. I just want you to notice the first part of Psalm 89 and verse number 47. Notice what he says. He says, remember, notice this phrase, how short my time is. Remember how short my time is. So what do we learn? When we understand time and when we look at time in its proper perspective, here's what we learn. We learn that time is limited. But there's something else we learn. And I'd like you to keep your place there in Psalm 90. We're going to come back to it. But go with me to the book of Ephesians. In the New Testament, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, and Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. When the Bible talks about time, it gives you two ideas about time and the perspective of time. One is that time is limited. The second one we see here in Ephesians 5. Ephesians chapter 5, look at verse 15. Ephesians 5.15. You know these verses, but let's look at them together. The Bible says this, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Notice verse 16. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. That word redeem is a monetary term. It's a financial term. The word redeem means to gain or regain possession of something in exchange for payment. It basically means that you purchase something. You gain the possession of something because you purchase uh, on its behalf. It means to pay the necessary money to clear a debt. It's talking about, you know, it's a financial term. And here's what he says. He says, redeeming the time. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. You're there in Ephesians. Go to Colossians. You're in Ephesians. You're going to go past Philippians into the book of Colossians. Past Philippians into the book of Colossians. Now, you've got your place in Psalm 90. Keep your place there. But I'd like you to also keep your place in Colossians, all right? So, because we're going to leave Colossians. We're going to come back to it. So, you should have James, Psalms, and Colossians. If you can uh, somehow, you know, maneuver all those places there. James, Psalms, and Colossians. Colossians 4, look at verse 5. Notice what he says. He says, walk in wisdom toward them that are without. Notice what he says, redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. So here's what I want you to understand. And here's what you need to gather about time. And maybe this will help you. Time, in many ways, is like money. Don't we often say, don't people say, well, time is money. You know, time is money. And time is often, it is like money in the sense that it has similar characteristics. We say, what are the characteristics? Well, number one, it's limited. I don't know that anybody ever, and part of this is our own covetousness, but I don't know that anybody ever feels like they've got enough money. Money is limited, and because it's limited, money is valuable. And you know what? Time is limited. And because it's limited, the Bible tells us that time is valuable. 
So you need to understand the perspective. As we talk about the stewardship of time, the management of time, or the managing of ourselves within time, and properly stewarding time for the glory of God, you have to begin with the proper perspective, the right perspective of time. You say, what is the perspective of time? The perspective of time is this. When you spend your time or invest your time, when you consider your time, you must consider it through this, through this idea that it is both limited and it is valuable. It is limited, and it is valuable. Go, to, go back to James chapter number 4. So we saw, number one, that we must have the right perspective of time. And because of that, here's point number two, we must not procrastinate with our time. We must not procrastinate with our time. Look at verse 13, James chapter 4. Notice what he says in verse 13. He says, go to now. And notice what he says. He says, ye that say, now, he doesn't say, ye that do. And he's going to deal with those that do here in a minute. But he says, ye that say. These are just people that are talking. These are people that are talking about the things they want to do. Notice what he says. He says, ye that say, today or tomorrow. Now, which one is it? Is it today or tomorrow? And here's what I'm just saying. These people don't really have a plan. They don't really have a purpose. They're just kind of talking. And they say, well, today or maybe tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year. Now, hold on a second. We often assume that we have more time, don't we? And think about, think about you're talking to somebody, you're asking them, so, so when are you going to go out and look for work? You know, you're, you're unemployed. When are you going to go look for work? Well, maybe today or tomorrow. When are you going to work on that essay? You know, you got an essay due for school. When are you going to work? Maybe today or tomorrow. When are you going to study for that test? You know, you got a test coming up. They're at work and they're going to test you and it has to do with your promotion. Well, maybe today or tomorrow. People who talk like that are people who are procrastinators. People who are procrastinating. People who are putting things off for another day. And the only way that procrastination works is when you have the idea that you've got more time. Notice what he says. Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year, assuming they have time, and buy and sell and get gain. Verse 14, whereas. Now you see that word whereas, verse 14? The word whereas means in contrast or in comparison to the fact, or to that fact. So, whereas, he says, in contrast or in comparison to the fact that you've got this idea that you can today or tomorrow, that you can today or tomorrow do this and that, today or tomorrow get into that. He says, whereas, notice what he says, ye know not what shall be on the morrow. So he says, don't assume that you have more time. You say, why? Because time is limited. And because time is valuable, and because time is limited, and because time is valuable, we must not procrastinate with our time. See, when it comes to the stewardship of time, we need to be careful not to put off for tomorrow what can be done today. We need to be careful to make sure we do today what we can do today with the time that God has given us. Now, there are three areas in life where people often tend to procrastinate other than schoolwork and essays and things like that. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. I know we're going to a lot of places this morning, but I'd like you to see these things. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And let me give you an idea. There are three areas that I've noticed in, 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 the, in the spiritual realm that are areas in which people often will procrastinate. One area is in regards to salvation. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. 
Notice what he says. He says, for he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in, notice what he says, the day of salvation, have I succored thee. The word succored means to give assistance or support. He says, behold, notice what he says, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You know what I've noticed is that people often will procrastinate on this idea of salvation. I mean, how many of you, I know this has happened to me several times, how many of you have been out soul winning, you knock on somebody's door and you ask them, hey, do you know for sure if you died today, if you would go to heaven or hell, or maybe you're not sure, or maybe you've never thought about it? And people will say to me, well, I don't know. And I often follow up with the question, well, would you like to know? Oh, sure, I'd like to know. And I said, well, do you have a few minutes? I can show you from the Bible how you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven. And people say, maybe tomorrow. Maybe another day. I'm busy. I got a couple of noodles in the microwave. It's going to burn. You know, and, they, and, and you think, you said, you just told me, you just told me you didn't know where you were going to spend eternity when you die. You've got somebody at your door. You didn't have to go to church. You didn't have to travel anywhere. You didn't have to go anywhere. Someone came to your house, knocked on your door, said, hey, I could show you from the Bible how you could know for sure. I'm busy right now. You know, people often procrastinate with this idea of salvation. I would assume that most people in this room are saved, but, I, but, but maybe not. And listen to me. If you are here this morning and you are not saved, if you are here this morning and you say, I don't know, if I were to die right now, I'm not sure. I hope I go to heaven. I'd like to think I go to heaven. Please don't leave here this morning without letting us show you how you can know for sure. Don't procrastinate on this idea of salvation. Don't put it off for another day. People say, well, maybe on another day, maybe on another occasion. If you remember Festus telling Paul, he said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. You see people telling Paul, you know, you can return in a more convenient season. And people will often procrastinate. And I would just submit to you, don't wait on that. And, I, and I, like I said, I would assume most people here are saved. Go to the book of Exodus in the, in the Old Testament. you got Genesis and Exodus. I would assume that most people here this morning are saved. But if you're not saved, don't wait another day. You say, what? Because you don't know that you have another day. Because what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and vanisheth away. And time is limited and time is valuable. The Bible says, and it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. And you don't know that you're going to live tomorrow. And you don't know that you're going to live next week. And don't procrastinate on this idea of salvation. But maybe you're here this morning, you say, well, I'm, I'm already saved. I've called upon the Lord to save me. I've accepted him through, through faith. All right? Well, let me say this. I've noticed another area where Christians like to procrastinate is on this idea of sin, of dealing with sin in their lives. And I want to show you one example of this, maybe a little bit of a humorous example. But in Exodus chapter 8, we have the story of Moses. Remember, Moses goes down into Egypt, goes down to see Pharaoh. He says, let my people go. And God is dealing with Pharaoh, and God is dealing with the children of, of, of Israel and with the, the nation of Egypt and trying to see his people come out of bondage. And if you remember, Moses goes through and begins to do the plagues, and he turns water into, into blood. And then with the second plague is where uh, the frogs come into the land. That's where we are in Exodus chapter 8. Why don't you notice verse number 8. The Bible says this, Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord. He says, Talk to the Lord on my behalf that he may take away the frogs from me. 
So you have Pharaoh say, I've had enough. I've had enough of the judgment of God. I've had enough of the place of God. Would you entreat the Lord? Would you tell the Lord to take away the frogs from me and from my people? And I will let the people go that they may sacrifice unto the Lord. Now, it's interesting, and I'm not preaching on this this morning, but you might want to study this out. It's interesting to see Moses' reaction to Pharaoh. You, you, you see him grow in frustration because at the end, at the end of the ten plagues, when Pharaoh says, entreat the Lord and I'll let the people go, you see a very disgruntled Moses saying, I don't believe you, you're a liar, you know, whatever. You know, it's, it's funny because even he walks out of the city and the Bible says as he's walking out of the city, he raises his hands so that the plague will end. But, but at, in Exodus chapter 8, we're not there yet. Moses still thinks that Pharaoh might actually listen. And you get that in his reaction. Look at verse 9. And Moses said unto Pharaoh, because Pharaoh just said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me. And Moses said unto Pharaoh, verse 9, Glory over me. Moses says, Praise the Lord. Moses actually thinks that Pharaoh is going to get right with God. Notice what he says. Glory over me. When? And then he asks this question. It's a very interesting question. Moses says, when? He says, okay, Pharaoh, this is now the second time we've been dealing with this. I turned the rivers into blood. You said you'd let the people go. The rivers are back to water. You didn't let the people go. We brought the frogs. You said you'll let the people go. So here's the question I have for you. When? When shall I entreat for thee and for thy servants and for thy people? to destroy the frogs from thee and thy houses, that they may remain in the rivers only. And he said, notice, if there's something more interesting than the question that Moses asked when he says, when shall I entreat for thee? What's more interesting than the question itself is the answer that Pharaoh gives. Verse 10, and he said, tomorrow. Tomorrow. And he said, be it according to thy word, that thou mayest know that there is none like unto the Lord our God. Now keep in mind, they've got frogs everywhere. They've got frogs in their beds. They've got frogs in their baths. They've got, they're sleeping with frogs. Frogs are all over the land. Mo, you know, Pharaoh comes to the man of God, Moses. He says, I'm tired of living with these frogs. I'm tired of living like this. I'm ready to get right with God. I want the frogs to go away. And the question comes, when, Pharaoh? When? And he says, tomorrow? Tomorrow? And you say, well, that's interesting. Well, it's not that interesting when you realize that many times people will come to me as a pastor and say, you know what, I'm tired of dealing with this addiction or I'm tired of dealing with this sin or I'm tired of having a terrible marriage or I'm tired of, of not raising my children right and this sin has been, I'm tired of these frauds. And you say, well, when do you want to get it right? Maybe tomorrow. Maybe next year. Maybe next week. You know what people often do when it comes to sin? Same thing they do with salvation. Unbelievers will procrastinate when it comes to salvation, but you know what? Believers will often procrastinate when it comes to sin. You know there are frogs in your life. You know they're the result of the judgment of God. You know God wants you to deal with them. But when the question comes, when, Pharaoh, when would you like to get right with God? Tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. What, when are you going to quit drinking? Tomorrow. What, when, when are you going to quit fornicating? Tomorrow. What, when are you going to deal with that sin in your life? Another day. And listen to me. When it comes to the stewardship of time, we must not procrastinate. We must not assume that you have a tomorrow. We must not assume because, look, eventually, and we understand that we're, not, we're talking about salvation here, but eventually Pharaoh crossed the line where he was no longer given the opportunity. 
He hardened his heart. He hardened his heart. Eventually, God hardened his heart. And I'm not talking about losing your salvation, but I am saying this. You may not have a tomorrow to fix it, to make that relationship right. You may not have a tomorrow to fix that marriage or to raise your children right. We need to understand when it comes to the stewardship of time, our time is limited, our time is valuable, and therefore we must not procrastinate. People will often procrastinate when it comes to salvation, and people will often procrastinate when it comes to sin. But there's another area that people procrastinate in. Go to John chapter number 9. John chapter number 9. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter number 9. John chapter number 9. What are the areas that we procrastinate in? Some, some of you ladies say, well, my husband procrastinates on yard work. And, and that's true. I'm sure that's true. But when it comes to spiritual things, you know, what are the areas that we procrastinate? Salvation, sin. But there's one more area, and it's the area of service. Notice John chapter 9. Look at verse 4. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 9 and verse 4. Jesus said this, I must work the works of him that sent me. He's talking about doing the works of God and being in service of God. Notice what he says. While it is today. What's he saying? I can't procrastinate. I can't put it off for tomorrow. I can't say tomorrow. He says, while it is today. You say, why, Jesus? Why should we not procrastinate in our service to God? Because the night cometh when no man can work. See, some of you have been coming to church like this. You say, I'm going to do that soul winning thing. When? Uh, someday. I'm going to do that nine chapters a day thing. When? Well, maybe next year. I'm going to develop a prayer time. When? Uh, Maybe next month. You know what we often do? We not only procrastinate when it comes to getting sin out of our lives, but we procrastinate when it comes to doing service for God. Look, don't don't say, I'm going to start tomorrow. Why don't you start today? Don't say, well, the next time they have a work or appreciation day, the next time they have a work or appreciation push, the next time that pastor gets up and preaches about volunteering, then I'll volunteer. No, why don't you volunteer today? Why don't you get busy today? Why don't you get involved today? Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. He says, before the day is over. Why? Because the night cometh. He says, the end of your opportunity comes when no man can work. So when it comes to the stewardship of time, how to properly steward time, we must have the right perspective of time. What is it? It's limited. It's valuable. And we must not procrastinate with our time because it's limited and because it's valuable. Go back to James chapter number four. James chapter number four. Here's point number three. We're talking about the stewardship of time. How to properly steward our time. Why? You say, well, why does it matter? Because our lives are made up of time. What we do with our time is what we will do with our lives. I said, number one, we must have the right perspective of time. And number two, we must not procrastinate with our time. Number three, we must have a plan for our time. We must have a plan for our time. Look at verse 15. James chapter 4, verse 15. Knows what he says. Now look, he just got done saying, you know, you procrastinators that say today or tomorrow, next year, we'll, we'll get that done, we'll do that. He says, but then he says this, he says, there's nothing wrong with, with having a plan. He said, in fact, I want you to have a plan. He said, I just don't want you to be procrastinating. I don't want you to be pretending like you have a plan when you really have no plan. Look at verse 15. For that ye ought to say, he says, look, you should say, you should say, if the Lord will. 
we shall live and do this or that. Here's what he's saying. He's saying you should live your life in such a way where you have a plan, where you're saying, if the Lord will allow me, if the Lord will give me the time, if the Lord will give me the opportunity, if the Lord will give me the resources, if the Lord will give me the ability, then this is what I plan to do for God. So here's a question for you. What are you doing with your time? Did you keep your place there in Psalm 90? Go back to Psalm 90. Psalm 90. And here's, here's what you need to understand, and here's the problem I would say with many Americans, most Americans. Most Americans are living the American dream. And unfortunately, the American dream has consisted of getting up in the morning, going to work or going to school, coming home, watching TV, going to bed, and just to wake up and do it all again the next day. And somewhere in between there, we sprinkle a holiday weekend or a vacation. And every once in a while, we're in church. And listen to me. If all your life is get up, go to work, watch TV, go to bed, get up, go to work, watch TV, go to bed, get up, go to work, watch TV, go to bed. If that's all your life is, then you've got to ask yourself this question. What is your life? What are you doing with the time? that God has given you? Is there any plan? Is there any purpose? Is there, is there any point to your life? He says, look, you ought to say. He says, you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. He said, you ought to have a plan for your time. And you notice, when you study this idea of time in the Bible, it's often connected. It's often connected with the idea of wisdom. Let's look at it. You're there in Psalm 90? Notice verse 12. Notice what he says. He says, so teach us to number our days. He says, my, life is, my time is limited and my time is valuable. And Lord, teach me to number my days. You say, why? Why should I number my days? And that's quite an exercise. I mean, if you think to yourself, if the average person lives to be 80 years or 90 years, it's not that hard to number the days. 365 days a year times 80 years times 90 years minus whatever age you are times 365 you can actually sit there and say, I will probably live X amount of days. So here's the question I have for you. And if you do that, you know what you'll find? If you do that, if you actually sit there and say, well, I'm 30 years old, or I'm 40 years old, or I'm 50 years old, and I've got X amount of days, probably, X amount of days left in my life. You know what you'll think to yourself? Wow, my time is limited. And when you realize that your time is limited, you will realize that your time is valuable. And you've got to ask the question, what are you doing with your time? What, how are you stewarding the time that God has given you? Look, look at verse 12. So teach us to number our days, Psalm 90. Notice what he says. That we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. That we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. See, here's what he's saying. He's saying, when you realize that you don't have a lot of time, then you have to begin to make decisions with your time. And he says, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Go to Colossians, if you kept your place there. Colossians chapter number 4, and look at verse 5. Notice this idea, Colossians chapter 4 and verse 5. Colossians 4, 5. Notice what he says. He says, walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. It's interesting how he connects this idea of time and wisdom. He says, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. He says, walk in wisdom toward them that are without. Why? Redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. Go to Ephesians 5. You're there in Colossians, just back from Philippians into Ephesians. 
Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5 and verse 15. Ephesians 5, 15. Notice what the Bible says. See then, see then, that ye walk circumspectly. See then, that ye walk circumspectly. Now, what does it mean to walk circumspectly or circumspect? What does the word circumspect mean? Here's what it means. It means carefully and cautiously. He says, see then, that ye walk circumspectly. He's saying, when you walk, he said, I want you to walk very carefully. I want you to walk very cautiously. And again, the context is within time. He's not talking about physically walking, but he's saying when you spend your time, when you spend your life, he says, spend it very cautiously. Spend it very carefully. See then that you walk circumspectly. Notice the connection. Not as fools, but as wise. When it comes to time, he says, make sure you're walking wisely. Make sure you're walking wisely. Why? Verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Because you've only got a certain amount of time. Because your time is limited, make sure you spend it wisely. Because your time is limited, make sure you spend it cautiously. Make sure you spend it carefully. Listen to me. If you go home, and and I'm not trying to beat up on you. I'm just trying to help you out. But if you go home and you spend three hours a night watching the television, you are not walking circumspectly. You are not walking cautiously. You are not walking, you know, uh, purposefully. And again, if you think of the idea of money and the idea of time, that time is like money in the sense that it is limited and it is valuable. When you only have a certain amount of money, you know, this is, honey, we've got a hundred bucks. It's got to last us the rest of the week. This is all the grocery money we have. You know what you do? You go to the grocery store. You're not just piling stuff in. You're being real careful how you spend that money. And God says, when it comes to your time, realize. When it comes to your time, realize that you don't have a lot of it. And there are many things that are pulling away. There are many things that are wanting to take. There are many things that are desiring your time. But you and I need to learn to walk circumspectly. Because those who don't are fools. Not as fools, but as wise. The decisions we make during the days that we live are more important than the actual days themselves. Do you understand what I just said? The decisions we make during the days that we live are more important than the number of days. It doesn't matter if you live to be 150 years and you waste your life. God says, walk circumspectly. Somebody told me once a long time ago, somebody said that we should try to tithe our time. Because God talks about tithing your finances, right? Your money, we should tithe. What does it mean? To give 10% of our income back to God? Well, time is money, is it not? Time, like money, is limited and valuable. And I remember one time somebody challenged me, said, you should try to tithe your time back to God. And I remember thinking about that, and I thought to myself, okay, well, what does that actually mean? And if you think about it, there's 24 hours in a day, there's seven days in a week. What is that? 168 hours in a week. If you returned 10% of your time back to God, you would have to devote to God 16.8 hours a week. For those of you that are, you know, not cheapskates, let's just round that up to, to 17 hours. Now think about this. Do you realize that you could read your Bible every day, pray every day, go to all three church services, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and even put in two to three hours of soul winning every week and probably not hit 17 hours? I mean, how long is a church service? An hour and 15 minutes? Three a week? Let's just round that up to four hours? I don't think anybody, I don't think most people are reading, you know, 
reading their Bible an hour a day, but let's say you give an hour to Bible time and prayer every day, seven hours. Let's say you put a couple of hours there for soul winning. I mean, if you do all that, if you do all that, you may, you may, if you add your commute into that, you may be tithing your time back to God. But we sit there and go, man, I'm the most awesome Christian in the world. Why? Because you gave God 10%? Because you gave, it's, you know, this is why God says it's our reasonable service. Amen. It's reasonable to return our time to God. So here's the question I have for you. Here's the question I have. What are you doing with your time? What are you doing? You say, Pastor, I'm not even, I'm not even Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I'd encourage you, can you do that? Say, hey, God, I'm going to return 10% of my income to you. I'll be back in church on Sunday night. I'm going to return 10% of my, uh, of my time back to you. I'll be church, uh, in church on Wednesday. I'm going to return 10% of my time to you. I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to make time for so Look, if you're not even doing that, you're not even at the 10% mark. But maybe you're like, well, I already do that. Then give an offering to the Lord. Then give him your time. We are to walk circumspectly. We are to walk wisely. And here's, here's all I want, I want you to ask yourself. How have you spent your time? How do you spend your time? What do you spend your time on? I said, number one, we must have the right perspective of time. And number two, we must not procrastinate with our time. And number three, we must have a plan for our time. Just the same way you should budget your money. The same way that you should plan your spending. You should plan your time. You should budget your Time. Go back to James chapter number 4. James chapter number 4. Look at verse number 16. James 4. So we saw the perspective. We saw the procrastination. We saw the plan. Notice verse 16. Here's point number 4. We must produce while we have time. We must produce while we have time. Look at James 4. But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. He's saying, look, don't, don't sit there and rejoice about what you're going to do someday. Well, one day I'm going, no, 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 don't talk about what you're going to do one day. What are you doing today? What are you doing right now? What are you doing with your time? Verse 17, therefore, that's what he says. Notice where he, he comes and here's the bottom line. He says, here's what it's all about. Here's what it comes down to. He says, therefore, to him that knoweth to do good. Notice the emphasis. Wherefore, to him that knoweth, notice the emphasis, to do, to do good. Notice, and doeth it not. To him it is sin. This verse messes up a lot of you because here's what you need to understand. There's two types of sins the Bible tells us about. There is the sin of commission. That's when I commit a sin. That's when I go out and I get drunk. Or that's when someone goes out and commits adultery. That's when someone goes out and kills somebody. That's when someone goes out and... That, that's a sin of commission. But this verse tells us that there is a sin of omission. That's when you know you should and you don't. That's when you know you should and you fail to, you omit to. He says, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him. It is sin. And here's what he's saying. He's saying when it comes to your time, the bottom line is this. Here's the bottom line. What are you accomplishing with your time? And look, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm trying to help you out. But it doesn't matter what you plan to do with your children well, one day we're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach them the Bible, and one day we're going to have a family Bible time, and one day you know, I'm going to read the Bible with them. When are you going to do that, Dad? Well, not today. 
Look, it doesn't matter what plans you have to do with your children. Here's what you need to understand. You are running out of time with your children. The time that you have with them is limited and it's valuable and all that matters is what you're actually accomplishing today. He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. It doesn't matter what you're doing with your, well, one day I'm going to fix my marriage and one day I'm going to invest into my marriage and one day I'm going to develop a good relationship. One day I'm going to be the husband that God has called me to be or one day I'm going to be the wife that God has called me. It doesn't matter what you plan on doing. What are you doing? One day I'm going to show up for those services. One day I'm going to show up for soul winning. One day I'm going to read the Bible. No, no, no. What are you doing today? To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not. To him it is sin. All that matters when it comes to the stewardship of time, all that matters is that we must produce while we have time. We must perform while we have time. Did you keep your place in Psalms? From Psalms, I'd like you to go to the book of Ecclesiastes. If you can find Psalms again, right after Psalms, you got Proverbs. Right after Proverbs, you got Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter number 9. We're almost done. Ecclesiastes chapter number 9. Ecclesiastes chapter number 9, and look at verse number 10. We must produce. We must perform. We must accomplish. We must do something. Listen to me. You don't have a day to waste. I don't have a day to waste. If we're going to do something for God, we're going to do it today. We have to do it today. We need to accomplish it today. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, look at verse 10. Ecclesiastes 9, 10, notice what he says. He says, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do. Do it with thy might. He says, whatever God has called you to do. He says, do it with your strength. Do it with your energy. Do it with your might. You say, why? Why, God? Why do it with my might? Notice, for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. Notice what he says, in the grave, whither thou goest. Here's what he's saying. One day your time will be up. One day your time will run out. You don't have to turn there, but we read it already. John 9 and 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. This is what Jesus said, the night cometh. Do you understand that? The night cometh when no man can work. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. All that can be accomplished must be accomplished in this life. So here's a question I have for you. What are you doing with your time? What are you doing with your time? When it comes to perspective, do you treat your time as if you've just got all the time in the world? Well, I'll do it another day. I'll get to it another day. I'll accomplish that another day. I'll get saved another day. I'll get rid of that sin another day. I'll serve another day. Or do you treat your time with the proper perspective, realizing that it is limited and that it is valuable? When it comes to procrastination, what are you putting off? I mean, by the Holy Spirit, I'm praying the Holy Spirit is bringing something to your mind, something that you realize that's an area, that's a place, that is something that I'm holding off on, that I'm putting off. I realize what God wants. I realize Moses is standing there and saying to me, when, Pharaoh, when? And I'm just saying, another day, another day. What is it that you are procrastinating on? What is it that you're putting off for tomorrow that you know God wants you to do today? What plans do you have? What are you attempting to accomplish? Look, you need to have a plan for your life. You can't just go through life mindlessly, just kind of just doing whatever. You talk to teenagers, what are you doing? We're hanging out. You're hanging out? What are you doing? 
But you know what? Most adults, you're hanging out. What are you doing? Here's a question I have. What are you doing with your marriage? What are you doing with your children? What are you doing with your ministry? You say, Pastor, you're the one with the ministry. Oh, no, no, no. We all have a ministry. What are you doing with the ministry that God, the opportunities that God, the resources that God, the time that God has given you? Just kind of whatever. Just going through life. Just get up, go to work, get up, go to work, get up, go to school, get up, have a day off. With no purpose, no plan, no pressing toward any mark. What are you producing? Here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line. You say, Pastor, how do I know what I'm doing with my, my time? Here's what you got to ask yourself. What do you do with your time right now? What are you accomplishing with your time today? He says, if you know you should do something and you don't, it's a sin. It's wrong if you're not performing, if you're not producing. So again, what do you do with your time? God has given us this resource called time, and it's limited and it's valuable. And the decisions we make today and the way that we spend our time and the way that we invest our time can impact eternity. So here's a question. How are you doing? How are you doing? Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, I realize that a sermon like this is not the most dynamic or interesting as far as new doctrine or new ideas. But Father, I pray you would help all of us to wrestle with this idea of our time We're running out of time. Years pass. Months pass. Weeks pass. And we're spending our time in one way or another. I pray, Father, that you would help all of us. I pray that you'd help each and every one of us to spend our time properly.